It is Friday. That means bring it in with me, Gerard Hector and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Gerard, I will tell you, I will tell you that um, this is a very busy time. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of free time. And um, I woke up this morning and I thought, man, I get to spend an hour with my boy, Gerard. <laughs> I really did. I really did think that. So uh, it is a joyful hour I'm going to get to spend with you. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, you know, one of the things I enjoy doing, of course, is picking your basketball brain. Starting with some kind of macro 30,000 foot idea or thing, and then we you drill down into the yeah. nitty gritty. Yeah. So one of the things about the playoffs that I enjoy, and of course, what the conference finals is the visceral way in which your weaknesses get exposed. Not like I'm some blood sport guy and I'm like, oh, look how <laughs> terrible you are. But it, it's just so fascinating to see it on the stage where it's like, wow, this is really your Achilles heel. And they're going to go at it every single time. And I mean, you can't change it because this is just what you are, right? It is what it is. The common one that everybody knows is when you hunt someone on a matchup one-on-one, right? Because you know they can't defend. The other one is when a team goes, oh, that guy can't do anything. We're going to ignore him completely when he's on the floor. And it's just, it's fascinating to watch. And I, I thought about that watching the Heat and Celtics last night. Celtics with a huge bounce back win over, over the Heat. I mean, just blew them out. The Heat just ha- the Celtics have more guys, coach, that can do things than the Heat do, right? Like I, I watched that game and I was like, "Bam!" They, when you get the ball from twenty feet, the Celtics are like, "We are not concerned about you from twenty feet out because you're not going to do anything that's going to be of consequence to us." Um, as a basketball coach, what do you see specifically as it relates to that? I mean, your insight is right. Uh, I um, listen. I have some players that I've been talking to that played in the combine yesterday and will play some of them will play today and I talk to them about when you feel like you've got a real advantage take advantage of that advantage uh it's a mistake to try to run your offense if you're a primary ball handler when the guy guarding you can't stay in front of you without a ball screen or you can put a guy into a ball screen it's just pure math you're 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 not going to score every time it's absurd to think that but uh you're going to increase your odds uh, of scoring on a possession where you feel like you have an advantage, whether it's in, in isolation or in actions. And the more you do that, the better off you are. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, there's just a better focus for NBA teams. There, it, it, it seems like a lot of times in the regular season, uh, and I don't think, I'm not even criticizing this, Gerard. I think sometimes there's an effort to run the plan, run the offense, run the play, uh, whereas – uh, now it's more just we need to win. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, by doing the former enough, where you work out the kinks of how we're going to go about running these kinds of plays, it allows you to then be more targeting in the postseason and execute well. Uh, uh, because you've done it so much. If you mm-hmm. just try to exploit a matchup on day one and, and, and just always play that way, you get really, it can get really clunky over time, or you get too dependent on that one great matchup you have, whatever. Or there might be situations like, for example, when you play the Celtics, their starting five doesn't have a weakness. So if you're only picking scabs, so to speak, well, if they don't have any scabs, you're fucked. So <laughs> to me, you have to learn to be able to do both. Yeah. And, um, and the smart players, not even coaches, not the coaches don't do it, but the smart players, they just, they don't go to the, I don't think they go to the hammer every time. Uh, 
because then you know it's coming defensively and you can mm-hmm. suddenly trap, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they just do it a lot. And it's smart. Yeah. And this, we're going to get to Jimmy Butler in a minute, but this gets to a really interesting conversation about what about everybody else if you're just the one scoring every time? Yeah. And, and it's funny you mentioned Jimmy because, of course, the Heat are an excellent team. You don't make the Final Four if you're not yep. very good. Yep. Um, but as the rounds go on and the teams you play are better, again, those weaknesses get really targeted. And the Heat, to me, just don't have enough dynamic guys who can do stuff. They got Jimmy. They got Tyler, sort of. He's like a half. You know, it's like, but we are in Boston. And everybody is, as you look, the term you use, everyone's weaponized on Boston. Hell, Coach, Peyton Pritchard, who you can probably argue is the weakest of, of, their, of their guys, right? He can shoot. He ain't a great defender, but he competes on that end. And he can put the ball on the, on, on the floor and get to the rim. I mean, that's things, right? He can do things. Like, but if you can't do stuff, like, that's a problem. So let's go to Miami. Uh, Jimmy's, Jimmy Buckets is fantastic. He's all world. I think he needs to score 35 a game going forward, and we'll talk about that. Um, I, I disagree. I agree and disagree with you on Tyler Hero. Here's why. Against most teams, Tyler Hero is a bucket, too. Against this team, <laughs> not so much. It's, well, it's like you said, it, eh, it's half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because who are you attacking unless Peyton's in the game if right. you're Tyler? Right. Like Marcus Smart? Right. Yeah, no. Grant Williams? Right. Like Al Horford? No. Time Lord? Yeah. Brown and Tatum are another level. Right. And so this is why I started, I, I don't know, we can look it up when I started favoring them to win the championship. Initially, it was because I thought they'd beat Phoenix because of their size at the wing positions and their point guard and center uh, defensive uh, talent. Um, And Bam, you know, ESPN has a story today, Gerard, about how um, uh, when they went from Robert Williams to Grant Williams, they just exploded. And Mm -hmm. I I get that because their offense really did click in. But I was super impressed with what Time Lord did defensively in the minutes he was in. He was still plus 13 in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, He uh, blocked three shots. (laughs) He fucked other things up. He broke up a lob pass in a big Mm -hmm. part of the game. He was always in the way, uh, and Bam didn't do shit. Bam didn't score, Nothing. I think, until like late in the second quarter. Like, he had like six points. Like, yeah, I, yeah, right. all on pick and roll, when, uh, but nothing before that. Uh, yeah, so getting back to Jimmy, Jimmy made those comments, Gerard, mm-hmm. about how um, I need – he blamed himself, which I love that he's doing that. He said, uh, I've got to get my teammates more involved. Well, here's what I did. Uh, I watched every missed shot that he'd had this morning in the first half when, when it was a game, because it wasn't really a game after that. When, when you make a run to get it to 17, you're not really in the game. In the second <laughs> half. Um, and uh, they had three, what I would call really good shots that they missed in the first quarter and none in the second quarter. So uh, if Jimmy thinks he's going to get guys more open, great, but I don't know that he's right. And um, I think he needs to go score. I think the mm-hmm. Heat are going to stay home on people um, and and make him uh, score because he doesn't want to. He wants to be a mm-hmm. facilitator. And I think they're, they're going to make it tough on him to be a facilitator. And yet, I think he scored 35-plus and at least give them a chance. Yeah. Uh, the reality is this. I don't know if you saw the video we did last night, me and, mm-hmm. me and your guy I did, next. yep. Um, in the first halves, it's 132 to 99. You're killing them. So, yeah, the four, it's four quarters. They had one bad quarter. Yeah, the Celtics have won one quarter and eight, and and they deserved to win. The Heat did that game, but as we, we talked about this, I thought Boston was just mentally gassed after that Milwaukee series. Yeah, 
And Tatum had six turnovers in a quarter and just was fucking terrible. Yeah. But we see who Jason Tatum is. And that and dude you, is nasty. Oh, man. Every way possible. Yeah. You, you, you saw it because you said all the time, mental fatigue leads to physical fatigue, right? Like, or physical fatigue leads to mental fatigue, right? Yeah. When you're physically yeah. tired, you're exactly going right. to make mistakes. And yeah. you saw it in that third quarter. Oh, I mean, God. it was almost like Tatum's feet were stuck in quicksand. It's like, oh, I get it. Like, you just can't, I get it. You can't move. Like, well, you're... And, but, and <laughs> it, it, it's on the mental side. So he, he had one pass where, you know, they call it the Jimmy Butler pick six it. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just telling you, I've, I'm from a state that, that's had some quarterbacks, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I've seen some pick sixes where the quarterback threw it right to the bad guy, and it was o- always going to be the case where the guy was intercepted with a terrible pass. But I've seen some pick sixes where I could not believe what Deion Sanders did and a bunch of <laughs> other guys. That there's no right. way that guy could make up that much ground, and he did. The one that Jason Tatum threw, which I thought started the, those two mm-hmm. pick sixes, started the avalanche, yep. which ended the game, game one. Otherwise, it'd be a 2 0 series. Uh, I mean, an eight year old could have stolen the ball. I, what are you doing? <laughs> I told Henry this morning, I, I, more than a few times in my career, I've had to say to a player, you saw the bad guy. I know you saw it. And then you threw it right to him. Like, are you on their team? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? The guy didn't have to make a play. The second one was just as bad. He was staring at his teammate that it, who was being denied. Butler came creeping over. It's an easy tell. Yeah. Like, you see what he's doing. And Jason just threw it. And then didn't get back on defense. Like, there was yeah. nothing left in the tank. That's yeah. a sign. And uh, I had a feeling we're going to see a different Tatum last night. Because he's that guy now. Yeah. Like, you, you didn't see Kevin Durant play two bad halves in a row. Right. With, at the LeBron. Like, no. Right. Other than the, the Mavericks series that first time for LeBron, they never do that. So, Jason's he's that guy now. So, I knew he, he'd be great. He is for sure that guy now. And even though that series went seven against Milwaukee, Coach, watching it, I thought, damn, again, Boston's just better. They have too many options to be – like, it, again, with Miami, I'm like – I worry about, and we. this is all year for us, Coach, the half-court offense. All year that was our concern. Yep. It is still my concern now, right? I'm like, Boston just has more, op- they have more things to do than you guys do. And so, you know, generally speaking, when you have that, that's always an advantage. Um, you know, you mentioned Tatum, and I said this uh, on Monday, and I said this to Henry over the weekend, you know, this is no longer a LeBron James, Kevin Durant league, right? This is a Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, Giannis, Jokic. It's these guys league now, right? Like they are. And it's not to say that Durant and LeBron can't have moments of greatness still, of course. But, you know, these are the dudes now, right? Like these so. 20-somethings, they're the guys. I think you're right. Uh, there's an energy required uh, for all four quarters on both ends to, to be that kind of guy. Uh, and speaking of that, um, he's not as good as Jason Tatum, but I've been really impressed with Jalen Brown. He's so, yeah, yeah. His fucking competitive spirit. He's, mm-hmm. he's uh, you know, and Corey Brewer, you know, my son Corey would play in college. He, I didn't know him then, but they call him the drunken dribbler. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Jalen reminds me of. He's not a great ball handler. No. He's a, he's a train wreck ready to happen, but uh, he's still destructive. He's a destructive force in a good way. Mm-hmm. And he's very bright guy, uh, very confident scorer. And those two guys are guarding. That's the really cool thing about them is when, when Golden State was at their best, Clay, Clay cared about defense. Durant mm-hmm. cared about defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are wings. And, and now we've got Brown and Tatum. Yeah. And, and they better because Marcus Smart might kick their ass if they don't. <laughs> and, uh, and then you got Horford, Mr. Steady. Jesus. Uh, he's, so, he's just 
Anyone, people, Gerard, I didn't say this to you because we didn't do a show, but uh, I'm seeing, I saw so many media people acting as if Boston lost that first game because of a bad third quarter for no reason. Forget about the Milwaukee series, which just ended, and, and um, I think was a huge factor. They were missing two starters, two really important, not like, okay, we'll start him. No. Horford and what they do, and mm-hmm. Smart for sure, mm-hmm. are enormously important to them. Yes. And yet they still dominated the first half and just had one bad quarter. And they're important starters coach on both ends of the floor. Marcus Smart, you know, he's not going to always hit his threes, but there is a way in which he's playing coach. Where Remember early in his career, you'd be like, oh, Marcus, why are you taking that shot? Like, he's eliminated most of that out of his shot profile. Right, I like agree. He, I don't. He's, I don't ever think that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am. Um, I'm a huge fan, dude. I, I was. It was funny. I was a huge fan. Is coming out of Oklahoma State. I don't even remember why I liked him so much. I'm sure besides the toughness, and uh, and then he wasn't great for a. He wasn't good for a while, and I thought, well, you know, I, I missed that because I really loved him, and uh, I feel really good about it now. He's he's just a terrific player, like really yeah. a leader, and yeah. um, I think that. They're a unique blend of players because you've got Time Lord is very young. Mm-hmm. I mean, just getting that nickname tells you all you need to know about <laughs> a guy that can't be on time for anything. It's going to come to Time Lord. Um, Horford, obviously, Mr. Steady. Uh, Brown and Tatum have huge egos in all the best ways. They should. These are top three picks, both mm-hmm. of them, and, and want to be MVPs and All-Stars and all of that. And uh, Grant Williams is uh, – wow. I've heard lots of stories about him. Grant Brilliant. Williams. Yeah. Like super, I I didn't know this. Did you know like his background is an intelligence guy? Oh yeah, like, he's he's a super bright guy. Like I guess his mom is super. Yeah, he's just mm-hmm. very like this mm-hmm. guy could be a physicist probably if he wanted to be a mathematician. <laughs> and with that comes a degree of arrogant nerdiness, I'm sure, <laughs> in this world mm-hmm. because most basketball players maybe could be brilliant uh, academically if that if they wanted to spend eight hours a day studying like my dumbass kids did. Because their dumbass dad made him take my son take six AP classes his junior year. That was stupid of me. <laughs> I only wanted five, but he wanted to make me happy. We were both wrong. These guys could probably do that, but instead they chose to work on their game all the time, and good for them. But guys like Rondo and Grant Williams, mm-hmm. that are you know the smartest men on the planet, um, mm-hmm. they they could be a pain in the ass. Sure. And so, how do you make it all work? A guy like Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Tatum's got to be a humble leader, and he is. And Brown, I think, is too. Mm-hmm. And I think they're good leaders as men. Jalen, especially when he came to the, some social issues, mm-hmm. I think you have to respect Jalen Brown as a human being and as a man. Sure. At least I would anyway. And I think Marcus Smart is that. He's the instigator in all the best ways. Like, don't fuck with this guy. He's kind of <laughs> like Udonis that way, you know? He's like Draymond Green, Udonis. Yeah. Gian- this is what makes Giannis so great. There's a f- And Jokic. Those guys have a fire also, and they're mm-hmm. super talented. Marcus is not their best player, but he holds them accountable, I think. He and does. I think he may cut from the same cloth. Well, and I was just going to go there, you know, yeah. to speak to what you love, which is coaching. I mean, this is essentially the same team they had last year, right? Like, yeah. okay, Horford came back. All right, little things on the, on the edges, but Emei's ability. And let's give Emei credit. Like, Emei spent time and many years on the bench. He was in, in San Antonio with Pop forever, was in Philly, was in Brooklyn last year. Like, he's he's paid his dues. And, of course, he's a former player. And there's a way in which, you know, he can he commands that respect. And we were, remember, Coach, first, we were like, yeah. wow. First five games, we were like, you're calling your guys out in public already? That makes me a little nervous. But clearly, he knew what he was doing. 
Right. And we didn't. I didn't. I was wrong. Um, I, I should always remember that. Uh, I, I will tell you, let's put it this way. Um, I know how to talk to players. I've done this a long damn time. And, I, I, and my arrogance sometimes keeps me from remembering other people do too. And so clearly, Mr. Yudoka, Coach Yudoka, knew exactly what he could get away with. The truth is, a lot of coaches don't know what they can get away with. They fuck it up all the time. I know this. I, players have told me that this guy thinks we're close. I can't stand this guy. <laughs> I, I think this coach knew exactly what he was. He had earned that trust as fast as he did. The evidence is overwhelming. Like, we, it's unequivocal. He abs- That's why I picked him coach of the year. Yeah. This team yeah. should not be the best team in the league, and I think they are. Yeah, and I have are. for a month now. I have for a month thinking they'd be the champions, and I think they're going to be the champions. Um, so you think this what ends in six probably? I mean, it's it'd be easier if I knew is Derek White coming back? Is Kyle Lowry coming back? What's PJ? Oh Tucker yeah, Derek White because his wife just had a baby. That's all. Oh, mm-hmm. I forgot. So he's yeah, going to yeah. play next game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot. Yeah. Uh, what about Kyle and PJ? PJ is going to right today. Um, even if Kyle came back, do you think? Uh, oh I, yeah, Kyle's not my biggest thing. PJ is. Yeah, I think yeah. Nate Vincent's doing good. Oh, yeah, he is. Gabe he's is doing player. just fine. He, but if, if they don't have player. PJ, good. I mean, Tatum's well, already doing his own thing anyway, but without yeah. PJ, he might score yeah. 50 a night. Yeah, I think they need PJ really badly. And um, uh, uh, I hope he's okay because it'll be a good series. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I think he'll be over in five. But but to be to be safe, it's, I just think Boston's a much better team. I think Boston beat it, – it's amazing to me they beat Milwaukee without Time Lord, given that Milwaukee also was missing Middleton. But those two teams at full strength were the two best teams in the league. At full strength, yeah. they'd be the two best teams in the league. The only thing I'll say about Golden State, who is not definitely – they're not going to definitely beat Dallas, and we'll see what happens. But um, the way Golden State plays is going to be a big change for Boston, just like it was mm-hmm. for Dallas. Mm-hmm. The ball is moving so much. When you talk about Miami's offense, and you're right, we've said it all year, Golden State is just very different. They really spread you out horizontally. They can attack you then vertically. Uh, they've got all that space because of their shooting and, and pool and clay and – and obviously Steph. Um, although I didn't put this in the document, I do. Well, when we get to Golden State, let me know mm-hmm. because I do have something to say about Curry. But yeah, on the Eastern side, I think that uh, Boston. Well, you put it. I like how you put it too. They just have a lot more outs in a sense. There's a lot more guys that can that can knock in singles and everything and keep them mm-hmm. alive. I feel like Miami. Miami is you know, one and a half in this series. Butler yeah. and a half hero. You're half right. hero. Yeah. And that's just not enough. Because of like, their defense. Because of yeah. Boston's defense. It, it, it ain't enough. Um, well, let, let's move over to Golden State. Look, yeah. um, I kind of saw game one coming. Not initially because they were so tired off the, off the Phoenixers, which they probably were, Dallas. Yeah. But they had a, enough rest. Another it's day, the, ad- it, rest, it's right. the adjustment in style. As good as Phoenix is offensively, they don't play offense the way Golden State does. Nobody does. The Cuisinart, as you call it, constant motion all the time. And that is just a different style of, the, of of offense to adjust to than high pick and roll, whatever, right? It's just different. And it takes you a minute to be like, oh, wait a minute. We, we kind of get our get our bearings together because there's constant moving. I expect uh, Dallas to play a better game in game two, and we'll see what happens there. But in that series, what, what are you seeing? Well, first of all, I want to I address this thing on Steph. Uh, I was texting with... Um... Uh, our editor, Travis Moran, who's been an absolute godsend to the Troop family. Um, he's great and really bright and really mm-hmm. hardworking. And we we're texting during the game. And um, he was asking about Steph missing threes. And I said, mm-hmm. I wrote, I just think he's taking terrible threes. The truth mm. is, he's great at making those. But he's not as good as he used to be. And for whatever yeah, reason, go there. 
I think he needs to be a little more selective with his shooting. And, and uh, I'm not someone that tends to think, oh, you got to get to the free throw line and make an easy bucket. I don't normally think that. But I, I do from the standpoint, I don't think you have to do that to get hot. They need, they, they need his scoring. So, Steph, yeah, go yeah. get some twos. Go get some free yeah, throws. Yeah, you need to yeah. score for your team. Yeah. And then maybe you'll feel your, your rhythm will get back on, whatever. And then, sure enough, he made a free throw. He made a couple of little runners. And then the, the, the avalanche opened up for him a little bit. Um, I do think he's got to get better at that. Uh, and, and maybe he will. But, you know, he's also – I remember talking to you about the Buccaneers with Tom Brady at quarterback, mm-hmm. how lucky the offensive line must feel because there's no blitz he hasn't seen. Doesn't mean he, he's always going to figure it out, but anyone can figure out it's going to be him. And what what an education they must be getting. I feel the same way about the Warriors. What what, what hasn't Steph seen? Going back Zero. to high school and certainly at Davidson, mm-hmm. what hasn't this guy seen? And now when when Dallas kind of hard hedged him, man, he just made the simple little short roll to Draymond, who can really mm-hmm. play downhill from there, and and they just murdered him. And uh, the, all the, all the weapons they have, yeah. and Looney is. My guy. Oh man, he is such playing. a good basketball. Every team needs a Gavon Looney. He does everything right. He's another one of those fast brains, too. By the way, he'll be a coach one day. You watch that guy. He, that guy is seeing the game at another level. He is, and you know, someone sent us that tweet. It was Hollinger, I forget. Where every center being played off the floor except Gavon Looney. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like he, he's the one staying on the floor. I want to go back to Steph really quick because I thought the point you made was interesting. That is why, for me, look. Anything can happen and they can win. But because Steph isn't shooting at the clip he normally does, that's why I'm like, but they're not quite the same. Like, I think yep. everyone's natural tendency is, oh, I know this movie because I know these actors. I've seen them before. And yes, the last time we saw them in 2019, they were in the NBA Finals. Remind you, they did not win that NBA Finals, right? Just because we've seen them on this stage doesn't mean they're the same people. And to your point, Steph is not the same, Right. What made them so impossible to beat, besides the fact that they also had Kevin Durant, was Steph Curry on 12 to 15 attempts a game was shooting 43%. Well, when you're doing that, the math just ain't going to work. I don't care what you do. You're not stopping that. (laughs) Well, when you're shooting 15 threes a game, you're shooting 35%. Well, now your math odds change a little bit, right? Like, that's some more misses and you have some more opportunities. So So that, to me, is why. And Clay is still up and down. So for me, that's why I still think against the right team, I don't know if it's Dallas, it could be Boston, um, they, they, can get, they can be beat. They're not as quite invincible as they once were. Yeah, I, I, it's not just Curry, it's Clay too. Um, he is, uh, I, I, I favor Clay like tonight. Um, I think they're going to probably try Brunson on him some, and I think that's good for Clay. I do think Clay can just shoot over him, uh, but he's more limited than he used to be. Um, your point about, I mean, you say actors. I've always used the term brand. Like, you know, we, we these players represent brands, but those brands have no value. It's the value is whether or not they're doing something good on the court. It doesn't matter who they were. We we've all gone to movies. Well, I don't anymore, but I used to go to movies <laughs> because you knew there was an actor or an actress in, that you mm-hmm. loved, mm-hmm. and then the, but the script is terrible, mm-hmm. so it, they can't save it. And uh, it's the same thing with players. Like the James Harden's a brand. What good mm-hmm. did that do to the Sixers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that Clay's brand is is not. I was just was talking to an agent right before we did the show. Um, uh, who do you trade if you're Golden State in the offseason? Uh, because they've got a whole bunch of new guys going to have to start paying. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose Looney because of it, probably. 
Wiseman's due an extension in a year. He maybe he's not do anything. He's got to actually play well. Yeah. Poole's going to get paid. You got Moody and Kaminga. You mm-hmm. know, they get two more years for their extension. But uh, uh, I think Clay is the guy they, they probably sh- – this should be his last go-around. Maybe it won't be unless we see something different. I give. I mean, listen, he's coming off an ACL and a yes. uh, Achilles. And an Achilles, yeah. Yeah, in his 30s. Yeah. So he's already doing great, but I, I that to me is where the big step down is, and then we'll see what happens tonight. Luca, to to just to to just say, well, it's Golden State's. So we're we're picking against Luca. It's stupid, just like it's stupid to say I'm picking for Luca. Uh, he's incredible, but I wrote this article, the Luca rules. Mm-hmm. The Luca um, rules. I'm sure I'm not the first person to think of this, but it was very obvious watching the game to me that there was there was a set of rules they were following for him, and um, they didn't follow it perfectly. Uh, Dallas will be better this game, I think, at exploiting some of the mistakes they made. For example, they ran they ran a lot of two-screen sets to try to confuse Golden State because they're not switching Curry screens, but they're switching other screens. Mm-hmm. And Draymond is – they're trying to keep Draymond off the ball. So, like, he's, for example, guarding Brunson. And then with those two screens, and now Luka's coming downhill, here comes a roller, like Dwight Powell rolling. Draymond will leave Brunson to go take the roller because he doesn't want that to be Steph because Steph's mm-hmm. not going to switch on a Luka. Well, you don't want Steph to switch on Powell either. So now here comes Draymond doing that, and now other people are open. I think Dallas will ex- will anticipate that better. But um, I st- Golden State to me has they, they just have an advantage. Dallas is very small, mm-hmm. uh, and they're mm-hmm. by design. Both those teams are small though compared to Boston. Oh, <laughs> so that to me is where you, you run out of room. Uh, I'm all for the small, f- quick, quick, fast guy, but it's nice to have a lot of big guys around. Yeah, you. and Golden State doesn't have that. Looney's a tall guy, like six eight. You need some size on the wing. Um, what did you think of Dallas's shot profile in that game? Um, I thought they just a lot of wide open threes. They just missed. They, oh, they did. Yeah, I didn't for Luke, the Luca rules. I try to keep away from why they lost the game as much as what was happening on Golden State's side to make things difficult for Luca. He only had six field goals made in the game. Um, there's no doubt that we we've seen this. And I, I said this to Travis and Henry, both in conversations, I think twice, tell me if I'm wrong, Gerard, but I think twice in the Phoenix series, they made 23s in a game and 19 in a game, both on very <laughs> high efficiency. Yep. You, they're going to win those games against golden state, probably unless they just can't guard golden state, which is possible. Uh, they, they really are capable of shooting at lights out and like did against Phoenix in game seven. So mm-hmm. yeah, they could shoot much better today, but as you know, stage is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just the stage and the intensity of the Western Conference Finals. It's also what you alluded to. When we talk about the Cuisinart, remember, we're talking about lots of passes. Golden State throws by far the most passes of these four teams left anyway. The ball is moving. People are moving. It, it impacts you. Just like we talk about attacking shooters and scorers and making play defense, it's the same thing by making play defense whether it's on the ball or off. You're occupying their thoughts in a lot of different ways. And I also thought Golden State did an outstanding job. This was in the Luca Rules article of racing out the shooters. Remember the time mm-hmm. where Curry and Draymond both blocked the shot at the same time? Yep. You don't see that very much. Nope. But that was indicative of the effort they gave. They, they were really flying at guys and not fouling them. And uh, making them just make the defender, make the shooter aware that you're coming and hope that it impacts somewhat. Uh, of their shot if they can't fully focus on the shot you've done your job and they did a great job of that yeah no 100 if you're on the dallas side defensively which is where 
Coach Kidd's making his mark and his in-game adjustments. I mean, as a player, he's one of the more brilliant players we've ever had in the history of this game. Yeah. So I know when he's watching the game as a coach, he's like, okay, what I'm, what am I seeing as a player being out there, right? And this is how he's trying to impact these guys. What would you do defensively to change some things on how you're stopping the Cuisinart? Yeah. First, I want to talk about Jason Kidd for a sec. Um, as someone who I was not a fan of as a coach in his first go around, I, I am definitely much more so. Now he's he's earned that. Uh, you, we've talked about curling before. Um, when when I watch the Olympics, I'm so jealous uh, in, a, in a real literal way when I'm watching an athlete, I don't care where he's, he or she's from, that you know, they're, it's their fourth Olympics and it's their eighth world championship they've competed in or 15th world championship, whatever. I just think about the, the encyclopedia of knowledge they must have, having gone through that many competitions. Um, it's why I'm an expert watching shooting is because this is where I put my 10,000 hours in watching the game. Uh, man, Jason Kidd's seen a lot, just like we talked about with Curry and Tom Brady. And so, yeah, I think, I think, I think kids at his best when kid was at his worst, it was, well, what would I do? That's what athletes make the mistake of when they're coaching. I've, I've obviously coached a lot of players who are now coaches themselves to this day. Don't think about what you would do as a player. Instead, just apply your brain. What do you see now because of all those games you played? And let that inform your coaching. Think the game. Play chess that way. And then also potentially give your players really good advice. That'd be great. It's great <laughs> to think it. Better to tell them. And so, yeah. So I think, uh, first of all, you, you just have to be locked in. If, if you are in space, I'm going to have to take you out. That means that every, like Chatham was in space the two times he threw the ball right to Jimmy Butler. Uh, defensively, Dallas has to, here's our assignments. Here's what we're thinking about. Here's our priorities defensively. A, B, C, D, E. And there's nothing else to think about but executing those things. And let's eliminate our silly mistakes. If we're going to make a mistake, let's make, for example, let's make sure if we make a mistake, it'll be taking away a layup instead of give a Curry three. Let's not worry about a Curry three or vice versa, whatever they think is best, but let's be on top of it. Um, I think they got to keep it simple mm -hmm. in what they're doing. If you get too complex with the Cuisinart, they get layups yeah. everywhere. Uh, did you ever, when you went to college where you didn't go to a big, where'd you go again? Rutgers. It was a big school. Yeah. So, yeah, I know it's a big school, but is. I don't know the Northeast like you do. Is there, um, is there a lot of like parks and football fields and everything? Uh, yeah. I mean, even though it's a, a, you know, urban campus, I mean, yeah, we had plenty of like open fields and spaces. Did you and play all that. flag football ever? Mm -hmm, sure. Okay. So I, I played in Florida. It's a very serious sport. If you, if, if you want to take it serious and we did my frat, I probably had, you know, 60 practices my freshman year. The brothers <laughs> teams are always very big. My senior, year, I coached a flag football team. We lost in the championships of campus on Florida field. Oh, wow. The winner went to the sugar ball expenses paid. Yeah, my team went to the championship two games in a row. We lost to basically a professional team, and I mean that. <laughs> um, but it was great. And I was the coach. And I'll never forget, Gerard, we had a – you can double pass in flag football back when I played anyway. And um, early on, it was giving me some trouble. When you double pass right, who does the does second rusher, double pass left? So I, me and my middle linebacker, who's now a PhD and a great basketball coach himself – the two of us sat together. It was my team, but he was my middle linebacker. And I was strong side linebacker. I said, let's just send you no matter what. No matter where, I want to take decision-making out of the process. They throw a double pass. I don't care if it's left or right, you're going. And you might get there a little slower, but we will then zone up around you and figure it out. Fucking huge difference. <laughs> we all knew our roles. You couldn't confuse us anymore. Yeah. Now, this game in the Cuisinart, 
is extremely confusing. Watch it on tape. Yeah. Everything is weaponized without the ball. Yes. That's the key. That's why Phoenix is so much easier to defend. You're just worrying about the ball mostly. Mm-hmm. In Golden State, it's where's Curry? Where's Curry? Where's mm-hmm. Curry? Where's Clay? Where's Poole? Oh, and also where's the ball? Yeah. That's way yeah. harder to guard. Yeah. So you've got to simplify your reads, make sure everyone knows them in all situations, no silly fouls, and then everyone rebound. The game last night, I was taken with how often Boston. Boston's perimeter defenders came flying into the second box to help on long rebounds. You have to do that against Golden State. Yeah. And if Dallas does those things, and then it's just a matter of Luka making those tough shots, which yep. he missed that last game, but he can easily make them. Easy. Do yeah, you yeah. think that Dallas overreacted to Curry in game one a bit? Um, you know, I, if they did, I didn't catch it. I, it's a very common thing to see, though, Gerard. Yeah. People yeah. freak out. Yeah. They've, yeah. they've been freaking out for years when he gets open. But you're you're not wrong to suggest it. They should yeah. like he's yeah. got to earn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's because that, that's my thing. It's like I, yeah, I know who he is. I'm not saying just who cares. Let him just do it. No, I'm not saying that. But it's that's what causes you problem is when you over freak out. Well, now you're screwed because three people are rushing to him now, and it's like, it's well, not- math is over. Like you're done. <laughs> like you, you have nothing. And so I, I think, think a little right. bit. And again, to your point, that was the difference between worrying about Phoenix and worrying about Golden State. Right? It's yeah. like there is too much happening, and it's. Quiet your brain down a little bit and like, okay, this is these are our matchups and communicate right on defense. That's a big thing. I don't think people realize enough how much communication needs to happen on defense. I mean, it's it's we talk about as much as anything, Gerard. Uh, as a, as coaches, we're constantly. I mean, I'm, I remember going to the Grizzlies uh, training camp one year, and and maybe a couple years before that, I went to the Wizards, and the Wizards were terrible, and Memphis was a very very good team when I went to camp. And it's just night and day, and the, the Marcus All and Zach Randolph just communicating so loudly. We preach it, you know. We teach. I mean, when I was teaching my son how to introduce himself to people, it wasn't just to be a, a mensch we called or a gentleman. Mm-hmm. It was going to help him play basketball better too. Like you need to be the loudest guy all the time. Uh, they've got to hear you. I was watching Time Lord last night. Uh, he's really grown in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's these are not just. I, I wish. Maybe one day I'll do it. Maybe after the um, after the the finals before the draft, I'll grab some clips of a coach that I'm helping out in L.A. A brilliant young coach who uh, who's doing player development for a bunch of draft picks and and NBA players. If you could see the drill he's doing with you know two players, six players, four players, three or four coaches, strong side, weak side, calling all sorts of stuff all the time. It's so much more complex than any average fan would realize. And these guys aren't any good at it because they're young. Mm-hmm. But it is super important. It's KG yeah. was the, the best at it. He was the yeah, loudest for voice. sure. He quarterback Draymond's right there, quarterbacking mm-hmm. everything. If you watch closely, you'll see Draymond sometimes just grab a guy and move him and in throw him. Yeah, <laughs> where he's supposed to be. <laughs> that's that's part of the game. Um, and uh, and but what Dallas, what's what's made Dallas so good offensively, is their simplicity. And uh, and that's why I think sometimes the Luca rules can play even better. The ball's not flying more. This is why the Queens are not so hard. Uh, I give Jason Key credit. When you have Luca, you can you can keep it simple. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be complex. The offense works for him that way. He's that genius, and he's not Curry, six foot eight. Yeah, you know, or six seven. Curry's a little mm-hmm. much smaller. It's a it's a different talent. Um, I, I think it's going to be a great game tonight. I think yeah. Dallas is not going to be overrun. Like I thought, Boston had a chance to kill Miami. I do think they're a much better team. Um, I I think this will be a great game tonight. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it as well. I think so. Is also, 
Um, I wanted to talk about something that I saw on Twitter this week, and you're like, ooh, topic for discussion. Um, so Trey, Trayvon Edwards, who we all know, um, he sent out a tweet earlier in the week saying, what determines the best player in the NBA? And, you know, because he's ever present on Twitter, Kevin Durant saw it, and Kevin also knows Trey, so that's probably why he responded. Quote tweeted it and said, size for position, shot making, efficiency, IQ, consistency, being able to guard multiple positions, a wing passer, a, a willing passer, excuse me, coachable, energetic, in my humble opinion. Well, damn, that's like 10,000 things, Christ. <laughs> also, he's kind of describing himself, but. <laughs> you stupid. All right. I'd love to know what you think makes, what are the, the skills you need to make the best player in the NBA? Yeah, I just, uh, I'm part of this big, you know, Herb on Hoops on Facebook with all these coaches all over the world. And I wrote about it this morning. Um, I, I'm going to reverse engineer it a little bit. How we determine who the best player in the world is, uh, is what these advanced metrics are trying to do. So imagine it this way. Uh, let, let's, let's take two teams and there's four players on each team and they're clones. Okay. All the coaching is, are, are clones. Everything is the same. I take player A, I take player B, who are not clones. And I play 100 games. And if player A's team wins, you know, 55 times, he's the best player. Why that is, now we get into the weeds. Mm -hmm. But that's how we determine the best player, mm -hmm. is the guy that helps his team the most, right? If all things being equal. Well, all things aren't equal on these teams. And right. the coaching definitely isn't equal. So <laughs> yeah. it's much harder to determine, typically. But that's what it, I'm happy for you to tell me if I'm wrong. You're smarter than me. I'm just a basketball coach. But my <laughs> understanding of these advanced metrics are they're trying to do just that. They're yeah. trying to wash out everything else. And mm -hmm. so all that's left is that jewel. And who's the shiniest jewel? Yeah. And for the last two years, it's been Jokic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything mm -hmm. else being equal, he's yes. had the biggest impact on wins. Correct. Like per is, minute. Yeah. And, and so what, what does it take to do that? Well, what does it matter? Because on some teams, it might be everything that Kevin described. He's not wrong. He's not, he's not stupid. That's for sure. But, but what if there's a 10-foot guy out there? What if there's a 10-foot guy that's really agile and can rebound and block shots and be like Bill Russell? And yeah. he's like Dennis Rodman, but you can't score. Well, that guy is the best player in the world in, this, in the sense that his teams are in the most game. This is a team game. Yeah. He yeah. may not yeah. win a bunch of one-on-one -on -one competitions. If someone else can shoot from three, maybe he will still will. But this is how we're evaluating. The, yeah. the reality is there's got to be some form of combination of what Kevin's describing. Uh, but I am not convinced that you have to be able to guard multiple positions because there was a period of time where I, without doubt in my mind, James Harden was the best player in the world. And he, he could not. <laughs> he, he didn't try that much on defense. Yeah. It didn't matter. Right. It didn't matter. Right. He was so overwhelmingly impactful on offense. Yeah. Um, and I would say the same about Steph Curry. There were some years yeah. where maybe LeBron was the best. It, it probably is fair to say LeBron was the best. Curry seemed to be the most impactful, but that's where coaching and everything comes in and rosters and all of that. But yeah, what's your thoughts on it? No, I, I'm with you there. I, well, first, I just thought it was hilarious. I'm like, I think you're just describing yourself. I'm like, is this just... Look at the right there. <laughs> I'm like, this sounds like Kevin Durant. I'm like, okay. Which, you know, yeah. <laughs> again, if you had five Kevin Durants on your team, you're probably going to win a ton of basketball games. Just, right, you know, just, <laughs> right? Just, just you would never, it. You would never lose. That right. might be another way to look at it, too. It's five of any one thing. Right. Um, yeah, five Kevin Durant's. I mean, five Kevin Durant's versus five Jokic's, uh, it, 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 it'd be a very close game. Yeah, it'd be super and interesting. Five 
Yeah. Oh. And wow, five yeah. Giannis. Oh wow. Yeah. That's woo. like they're they're the, they're the four best, right? Right. Right. Would right. You say they're the four best right now. I would, and you know it's funny because for me, coach, ultimately, if it gets close and I'm tie breaking, size is always going to get the edge for me because yo, the, I say this all the time: the basket is ten feet above the ground. Right. Like you being tall right. matters still. Like I'm sorry, it does, especially as you get to this level. That's why I'm so intrigued by, and I always forget his name, the French prospect, the teenager that we saw on video, uh, oh, Victor, Victor something or other. Yeah, I'm like, man. I you see, yeah, I know his last name's got like 85 characters in it, it's but crazy. I'm like, yeah, I'm like this guy, if he's like a thing, holy hell. And this yeah, is the future the, of the league, right? The size thing is funny. Um, when I was a, when I was coaching my son's AAU teams in middle school, you know, he was just so little, his four foot, whatever. And he would work on his game all the time and still miss a ton of shots around the rim because he was chucking the ball way up there. <laughs> And we had some gangly motherfuckers who weren't any good at all, <laughs> but they'd make way more shots because they're already six foot five in sixth grade or seventh, seventh right. grade, not sixth grade. Yeah. And um, because the ball just travels so much less, <laughs> it, it's just easier. And you're exactly right. Literally, I'm, your point is right. It's only 10 feet and it's always only going to be 10 feet. Yeah. And that makes a difference. It also makes a difference in how you're defending. Yes. Because it's harder to score against those really tall, long guys. So, yeah. Um, you know, it'd be it, it, listen. Did Durant mention ball handling? Uh, let me go back to the tweet. Da, 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 da. Uh, no, it's just shot making, efficiency, IQ, consistency. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that's a big factor. Ball handling, and I huge. think that's a big factor in his success. Yes. I've said this. Um, the guys that can get wherever they want to go with mm -hmm. the ball, the ball doesn't impede them. Like mm -hmm. Jalen Brown, the drunken dribbler. Sometimes the new drunken, the Boston, the Beantown drunken dribbler. <laughs> um, it does prevent you from being Jokic. Brilliant. MB mm -hmm. with the ball. Come on. These mm -hmm. guys are incredible at their size. Durant is the best, though. Well, this is why when you're little, like Chris Paul and Kyrie Irving, ball handling is a superpower for you, right? Because, well, what the hell? I'm a little guy amongst the Giants, but I can get to my spot because of my ability with the basketball, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it is it is such a – if Jalen Brown – he doesn't have to become Kyrie level, but if he gets like decent at ball handling, if he gets Kawhi handles, oh man, holy hell, look out! <laughs> yeah, Kawhi, just track his improvement. It wasn't it, you know he improved as a shooter year mm -hmm. one. He jumped from like twenty nine percent at San Diego State to very good in San Antonio his first year. When he became just a, a sublime ball handler, he went he, the ball. I would say this: there's two levels. You get to the well, the, there's the bottom level, the baseline. You get to the level where the ball doesn't slow you down. That's incredibly important. But when you get to the next level, which the ball becomes a weapon for you, mm -hmm. where you make the guy think I'm going here, but I'm actually coming here, or you make him think I'm coming here at this speed, but I'm going to accelerate and not lose it, you're at another level. Now you're talking about elite scoring potential if you can finish shots. And that's what Kawhi was able to do. And Paul George, I mean, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Paul George is at least six foot ten. Yeah, he's excellent. And he dribbles like a little guard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's this, you know. Uh, this is not on the document, but I have to ask you on this same subject. Um, you see what Bob Cousy said? <laughs> yeah, about about the plumbers and firemen. <laughs> he said Will Chamberlain must have been a hell of a fireman or something right, like that. Right, right. Like, like Bob, I, I, he's ninety-two. So and Bob, who couldn't dribble with his left hand, mind you. Correct. Just, okay. But but Bob, like we have the tapes. Yeah, we saw it. We seen it. I mean, I'm not <laughs> arguing that you that Will Chamberlain, he was every bit as athletic as any player playing now. Correct. As Correct. freaky as freaks have ever been, ever, for sure. But there was just a few guys like that. Yes. The and league the is full of them the now. The plumbers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. <laughs> Paul George 
in those days, this oh my god, he would have been the greatest player of all time. (laughs) Right, someone would start a religion after him. (laughs) Yeah, because he was doing things Will couldn't dream about doing. It's funny that you say that, coach. Was but a ball handling guard. Yeah, I I always say this with people. Like people are like, oh, this player in such and such era. I'm like, guys. If you drop Kevin Durant off in the 70s, he'd be on trial for witchcraft, okay? <laughs> They'd be like, what the that hell is this seven-foot person doing? <laughs> like, travel! The refs wouldn't know what the hell to do. Teams and coaches would be pulling their hair out, like, because it's bananas. It's, it's yeah. galaxy brain. They're like, I don't understand this. Big men aren't supposed to be able to do that. It's the game right. evolves, man. Evolution happens. Do you remember, uh, this is famous for people my age, uh, there was a guy named Billy Paltz. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look up Billy Pulse. I don't know how tall he was. In my mind, he's 6'10", whatever. He might be 6'8". But he kind of looked like Jokic. He was definitely shorter. He didn't play like Jokic. <laughs> yeah, talk about wizards. Like, the, yeah, this is a whole nother level with that, Bob. And uh, I know and Oscar Robinson says the same thing. You guys act as if we've gotten worse as athletes. <laughs> Meanwhile, I told you, I live in the fastest area right. of the world. Yo, yeah. There's another, the, the fastest 200-meter runner on the planet, pretty much, lives. Yeah, a, a, a young kid. Yeah, right? He's, he's like, a teenager. He's 18. Yeah. He, he, he beat yeah. Bolt's 200-meter junior record. Yeah, yeah like, that kid. Yeah, yeah. Beats him down the road here. And, and I told you, in Rio at the last Olympics, the dude that finished eighth in the final race is from St. Pete. He played high school basketball for a kid I coached. Like, they're 25 minutes apart. Like, come on now. They're breaking records. This is unbelievable what they're doing now. It's all training. I get that, but still. It's funny you mention that. I don't think the average fan understands that. The person who finishes eighth in the 100 meter in the Olympics or in the World Championships, do you know how fucking fast that person is? (laughs) Like, holy shit. Right. Yeah, there's not a million other races. Yeah, there's not. You say both. 18. Right? Like, okay, fine. It was 18. Yeah, I, I, as I used to always tell people, listen, where I'm from, after our JV practices, we did dunk contests. <laughs> and I mean, half my team or so were dunking at ninth yeah. and 10th grade. Right. Like, this is what we did every day. I didn't think twice about it. I, my whole high school career, no one ever dunked a single time. And maybe you had one dunk, maybe. We had a couple guys that had to do it. We didn't practice it. We had dunk contests in ninth and 10th grade. Like, yeah. we have athletes everywhere. Super athletes in Florida. Uh, yeah. Oh, I have a development question for you, Coach. Yeah. I know you, you, you are very big into, quote-unquote, big men doing guard skills when they're, yeah. at, your, when they're at, your, at your facility. Yeah. Do you still teach the mic and drill? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. I was, was going to say, I feel um, like yeah. – I, I teach, four, I teach four, four of them. I have regular mic in. I have reverse mic in. And then I have a fake mic and a double fake mic in. So literally, they're kind of, kind of stepping in, faking, faking, uh, more advanced stuff. But yeah, it's just an easy way to get used to, you know, scoring around the rim. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like I like a lot of different drills. They're old school, and I created some new ones myself. You can, if you YouTube, you could YouTube Thorpe drills. You'll see some of the drills that I created over the years. Because I'm like, that yeah. I'm glad to hear people are doing. Because I'm like, guys, the mic and drill still matters. Like, it's that's the you still gotta have some, you know. You gotta score around the rim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, there's some guys that could use some mic and drills. In the NBA. <laughs> you got you got that right. Holy hell! Especially with their weekend, like you need a, a big man have to be able to score with their with their weekend. Otherwise, you just cut off the strong hand. They're screwed. Exactly. Um. So the draft combine is going on right now, and. Yeah. Uh, our Henry Abbott is out there and, you know, he had his piece that came out today and he's basically like, what is the point of this thing? <laughs> what, what actually is happening here? Because all of these agility drills and jumping really high, like uh, none of that often doesn't tell us who's going to be good at basketball, right? Much like the NFL combine, right? Okay. It's really cool that you run fast in shorts and a t-shirt and have straight line speed, but 
you don't often just run in straight line in the NFL, right? You've got to have different kinds of abilities and in-game situations are different, right? The, one of my famous favorite stories about the combine is they're worried, oh my God, Kevin Durant can't bench press 185 pounds. Uh, a basketball weighs like, I don't know, a pound and a half or whatever the hell it weighs. doesn't really matter. <laughs> like if he can't bench press 185, still works out pretty well for him, right? He probably still can't bench press 185 today. Irrelevant, right? That, that hey, doesn't actually matter. They don't even do it anymore, I don't think. I would hope not. I don't think they even test it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the combine. I think that uh, I think there's a place for a combine for players that didn't play college basketball or national basketball, but um, it's really just an excuse to to get a ton of data yes. on these guys. And that part's I, I understand that part. The data is shared with the players, which is cool. Um, and uh, it's it's just breeding season for free agency. Like I know when and, I'm talking yeah. to agents, we're talking as much about free agents as anything else right now. And, and, and that's what Henry said. He's like, what it really is, is an opportunity for the power brokers to get together. And this is where, you know, so guys, when Woj and Shams drop their bombs on 1201 of free agency, it ain't because the deal just got done at 1201. The deal was done months ago. And it's places like these where the deal was already being made. And so this is what's going on, right? So Zach Levine, DeAndre Ayton, these guys, right? Like who are going to be people that move to different squads this summer? It's not a huge free agency year, but I think, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. What happens there? Uh, really quick on that: Are you, how are you feeling about Aiton re-signing in in Phoenix? I feel like the way that ended, it just it ain't sitting right with me. I, I don't know. I think you're asking the right question. If I was in charge, I would spend a lot of time with uh, the head coach and the player, and we got to we got to come to terms. Um, it doesn't mean we can't trade you later. Right. You may want to be traded later. Mm-hmm. We may want to trade you later. But we want to pay you what you're worth. You want us to pay you what you're worth. And we want to move forward accordingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there are some problems here. Whatever. I don't know what they are. Yeah. I'm not even I'm not even making phone calls yeah, about it. Neither have I. Um, something's something's up. Clearly. It was and very obvious. Yeah. We need, to, we need to solve this problem, DeAndre. And uh, I hope that they do. Because um, there's no reason why they can't be terrific again next year. Play Chris Paul less. We've talked about it mm-hmm. before last week, I think. Uh, other guys are still ascending as players. Mm-hmm. And um, Booker had his best year ever. He's terrific. Mm-hmm. Aiden's still getting better. Their, uh, yeah, their upside can be significant still. Um, one of the other potential free agents we talked about, and I said it was notable because he did not sign an extension, Zach Levine. Um, he's an interesting player, and I know that he's grown on you over time, um, particularly after his, his stint with Team USA. Okay, he may stay in Chicago, um, but he may not. I mean, he's somebody. If he can, I mean, man, he can really, with what he knows and what he's learned and developed into as a player, could really help someone. What do you think about Zach Levine and you know his chances of staying where he is or going somewhere else? I, you know, Gerard. Well, let me ask. I don't know much about the Chicago situation. Is it possible he'd leave? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it would be because well, why is it? Someone could offer him more money. I think someone could offer him more money. I think he may also like want to, you know, is Zach still young? And even though he's like matured a bit, he may want to be like the featured guy, you know? And DeRozan was a featured guy, really, right? I mean, he may. You're he, right. He, that could be an issue. Uh, boy, a team that can really guard and needs a score like mm. Cleveland. Oh, now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> How about him? Now you are cooking with gas. With yeah. Darius Garland and Jared oh, Allen. Oh, man, and Mobley. Come on now. <sighs> yeah, and then, and then you can get away with playing Okoro into the postseason anyway when no one guards him. Uh, yeah, he'd be amazing there. Get, you know, trade Sexton. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few teams like that. But, no, I, I'm he's growing on me a ton. Yeah, I really. And, and I yeah, really and he, he is an unrestricted free agent. So, yes, uh, the, the Bulls have his bird rights, so they could offer him the most. But 
he could just say, all things being equal, I got endorsement money, I got whatever, I'll eschew the extra year and go somewhere else and I can make that up, you know, on, on the other end. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens there. Really interesting. Yeah, he, he may, it, well, you said it, he may just want to be the guy. I, I, though, I, didn't, I don't know if that's how Zach is. I bet he likes Billy Donovan a lot. The city obviously is a great city. Yeah, for sure. Um, they, were, they were leading to the East until the injury. Yeah, just bad, inj- bad, bad injury luck. They had bad injury luck. Yeah. And yeah, he, this, he would, this, would be, this would be his um, rookie max extension, right? Because this is only year one, two, three. This is the end of year four for him. So, yeah. For so the Bulls would still be able to offer him. Yeah, we'll offer him the most. No, no, he no, he he was in Minnesota before that. Oh no, God, I, I forgot about his Minnesota. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about Minnesota. Yeah, no, he's gonna make, he's gonna get paid really. I well. forgot all. Yeah. See, that's that's yeah. how bad Minnesota is. I was I like, know, I know. I, I'm like, I forgot all about Minnesota. Yes, you are right. Correct. I, correct. I think, yeah. I mean, Billy players love playing for Billy. Yeah, and he's done a great Mar's job. Mars a great guy. From what I, mm-hmm. I mean, I've met him once, but great guy. I I'd like to see them try to run it back. They should. But they need to find a better center. As much as I like Vucevic, he's not the yeah. answer. I mean, well, is Pat Williams the answer? I do. I think Pat will be good as a four. I think he's very good for them. they got two more years. William Ford is extension year. Uh, but they got to find a better defensive presence, I think, at the five. Maybe not. Maybe maybe they can make it work there. We're making it work before, uh, yeah. before the injuries. But, um, you know, free agency, I, I would just quote an agent who said to me yesterday, two nights ago, he said, um, two, yesterday morning from two nights ago, he said, I said, how meetings go? And he said, uh, well, I got a lot of traction, but nothing definite yet, but I feel really good. I mean, we're in May, and this mm-hmm. guy's looking to lock in free agent deals. Yeah, that, that's how you know. People. The, the deals happen way ahead of time. They have to. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah. we had the draft lottery. Orlando, um, which is close to your neck of the woods, got the number one pick. Um, who knows if they're smart enough to do the right thing? We shall see. But I know there was a player in that draft who said some interesting things that you, that you found you found particularly interesting. Um, and everyone talks about the consensus top of the draft, which is Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, Jabari from Auburn, and Paolo Bancaro from Duke. Those are the three guys that everybody thinks are going to go in some order, one, two, three. But Chet had some interesting things to say, which you, you found <laughs> curious for, for this young man. Yeah, Chet was asked, uh, who's the best player in the NBA? I think Bleach Report asked him this. And his answer was me in two months. Now, it's possible that he laughed and said, I'm just kidding, and then gave an answer. That's not what was reported. I'd be, right. I'd be upset with the reporter if, yeah, if, if he misrepresented. Mm-hmm. So let's hope that he didn't. But uh, that was the wrong thing to say, Chet. Like, you're already going to have a target for a lot of reasons. And um, humility is a good thing, right? It's a good thing to, to be humble in front of this league. Uh, you're asking for it. And, and I'll just remind anyone listening Someone wrote this on Twitter yesterday. Oh, go back decades, a couple of decades. And there's only like one class that had three all-stars in the top three picks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was the Ben Simmons draft. Mm-hmm. So you can even argue, and I don't remember who went one, two, and three in that, but um, Ben Simmons is suspect. And I think the other, another one of those three were suspect. I just can't track of all the drafts anymore. I've done so many. I know. But uh, one of these three guys probably won't make it to be an all-star and it could be you chet yeah why would you want to put that pressure on yourself buddy i I, i'm with you coach that was (laughs) so that that that, the top three in that draft actually so it's simmons brandon ingram jalen brown that was was the top three picks okay so no the other two are fucking great yeah excellent so he's the suspect one right of the three (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) exactly the number one guy uh the answer chet 
some of his agent probably is saying, Chet, the answer is, what position do you want? I'll, I'll tell you my favorite. One, two, three, four, and five. They're all so good. Like, there's just no reason to kick the bear. And there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of angry bears in this league. And as right. I was telling you off air, like, they're going to be gambling who's dunking on his ass. Now, mm-hmm. he's a hell of a shot blocker. But they, they might they might gamble on who can screen him the hardest. Someone's yeah. gonna try to break his ribs. No doubt. I mean, it's they do it to Rudy Gobert right now. So, I mean, yeah. and Rudy's yeah. way better than you are defensively. Yeah, yeah, not even close, right? So yeah. I mean, what? I don't know why you think it's gonna be any different for you. This is interesting though because you know we talked about this coach, and as we wrap here, the draft is coming up, the combine's going on. The teams that are loving this draft right now are the ones when they hear everybody saying, ah, this is a three-player draft, this is a three-player draft. And so many people in media are just parroting that. Everyone's like, oh, but beyond the top three, yeah, there's nobody really good in this draft. And it's like, mm, you see, you guys wrong. You're, you're, you're missing it. You're all wrong. Because it's not just about Jimmy Butler and Giannis. And yeah, of course, you, we all know that. You need those guys. But you need Gabe Vincent. You need Max Struess. You need talent. You need other dudes, right? Like your team has to have other guys. And this draft's probably littered with other dudes who can be that if given the Royal Jelly and all the good stuff. But most of you teams are dumb and stupid and don't know what you're doing. So you're going to miss out. What you, well, the, the names you mentioned, Struess and Gabe Vince were undrafted. Tyler Hero went 13. Giannis went 15. Jimmy Butler went 30. So tell me again about three-player drafts. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to project the future. Uh, I always look at capacity to learn, capacity to work, uh, their bodies. I watched, I watched all, the, all four hours of the combine yesterday. This guy watched. Now, it's not, I'm lying. I didn't see all four hours because ESPN kept showing us Bill Self <laughs> and Coach Keith from NC State. And then like, I don't care about these guys. Players, but, but they would interview them and show them. In fact, some of them were on tape. The game is going on. Can we just hear them talk? I don't really care to hear them, but just if you if you think that little about the games, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing here? So I wanted to watch the game. So I did. There's a bunch of athletes, tons of talent, a lot of guys decided not to play. I understand it. But um, uh, it's to me, it's there's a lot of good players. I told you that it's the best league in the mm-hmm. world for a reason. We're loaded with talent. Yeah. This year's no different. Yeah, so you know, smart teams, you'll you'll be able to find somebody if you, you know, if you have the right, hey, hire Coach Starp. He can be your head of your player development. It's a little no, little thought no. plot process. <laughs> Look at him. No, no don't. No, no. <laughs> I've got I've got enough going on. I'm not gonna go work for your team. <laughs> I'd be happy to give him advice on who to hire, though. We'll see that. See, he'll give you advice. See, he's he's not a he's not a stingy guy. He'll give you advice on how to help you make you better. Because he, he wants me. everyone to be good. He's like, I'm gonna charge you. <laughs> I don't want to work for a team. My wife, my wife, it's time for me to spend time with her. I'm busy doing a lot of other stuff, and uh, she doesn't want me fucking pulling my hair out in June because we're not winning a game. (laughs) Because we're not. (laughs) But but guys, seriously though, like I mean, just go back through. There's so much good stuff, like Coach Thorpe's ideas on thoughts on leadership and Royal Jelly, and just like it's just it's you. There's stuff out there, guys. Like it's not just a one thing or one person. Like you can really figure this out and be really good. It's there. You can do it. It's just you where know. Was, where was Time Lord drafted? I don't even know. He's not. He's not. A lot. He's in the teens, I think. Oh, yeah, I think. I think so too. Yeah, that dude. Maybe even the twenties. Even you're looking it up. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Robert Williams the second. He was picked seventeenth. Yeah. No, twenty right. seventh. I read the wrong. Twenty seventh. Okay, I thought it was twenties. Yeah. yeah. The um. Twenty seventh. Yeah. He's. I mean, you, you're you're gonna find gems everywhere, but you got your job is to develop them. It's not the player. It's the program, yeah, right? There's yeah. so many players are the same. 
the guys in the better program would do better. So that's that's. I had an agent tell me he flat out told the Kings, "You ain't getting one of our guys. Like we are not bringing a guy in to work out with you until I see something." Then they hired Mike Brown. I think that helped a little bit, but you ain't uh, you ain't you, getting you our guys. Earn some of these workouts, yeah, by because they don't want their player to go there to die. I mean, it, it, evidence, recent history has told us that if you want right. your career to go die, go to Sacramento. <laughs> and even if you do well, like Tyrese, you got traded, which I'm not even arguing the trade. Maybe it worked out fine, but it seemed weird because they really liked him there. And it seemed like yeah. it had been a good draft pick and they haven't had many. Um, but yeah, it's a mess. Let's go, let's, a go mess. To, let's go to the free market, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. No more draft. Free markets. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, folks. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Have a great weekend. Watch the conference finals, and we will be back on Monday. Take care.